listener. I love going off-road. I've got a Toyota fully set up for weekends away with family and friends. But realistically, is my next car going to be another diesel-powered four-wheel drive? Or will there be something electric on the market? The Aussie obsession with utes, lugging the toys around, a love of getting off the beaten track. What's possible, what's probable in an emerging EV world? The other big consideration is towing and going away. With my four-wheel drive, it's fully set up and it's self-contained, including a caravan. How much will that drain on the battery? Rusty, this is a great example of what we mean when we say consider your lifestyle needs when buying a car. And today's guests could not be more perfect to talk about EVs and how they can and will cope with the Aussie weekend adventure. Welcome, everybody. We're off on another adventure. This is What's Under the Bonnet. Great to have you with us again. This is a podcast dedicated to electric cars and everything happening in this sector, from new users to those on the infrastructure side, plus the latest cool releases and much, much more, all powered by car sales and hooked up to the Listener Pod Network. Along for the ride with me, you've just heard her voice. Welcome back, Nadine Armstrong. Hey, Rusty. How are you going? retrofits, taking your trusty 4x4 and electrifying it. It can be done. And we're going to chat with a fellow that knows all about this. That's Dave Budge from Jaunton Motors. He's been doing some really cool EV conversions and I'm really excited to talk to Dave. And shortly, Ralph Gilles will join us. He's head of design at Fiat Chrysler Automobiles and he's going to talk about four-wheel drive EV platform design. Will these new powertrains change the way our beloved off-road machines are packaged? Mega to get a guest of Ralph's capability in the automotive landscape on. He's been a a judge at major car shows and all sorts of things. Seriously talented in the design space. Our meet and evia is definitely a four-wheel drive guy. Farm escapes demanded, but... He also boasts a proud tarmac racing history in cars and has a Porsche. More on that coming up. But before we dig in, we've got to do a shout out to the Kia EV6 for taking out the car sales car of the year for 2022. EV's dominated the Cody Awards this year. It just shows the quality of the vehicles. But of course, the winner was the Kia EV6. You know, Rusty, of the 12 finalists, five were electric vehicles. Amazing. just shows that a lot has changed in one year. A quick plug and unashamedly so for our sister show. That's The Showroom, our car sales pod dedicated to news and views right across everything that's available in the market. Now, the latest ep dropped just after Mike Sinclair revealed the winner that Nadine's just detailed. He did that on Sunrise, incidentally. So full details of the Car Sales Car of the Year Awards all brought to you by Bingle. You can check it out when you've finished this episode of What's Under the Bonnet. Our first guest today is Ralph Shields, the head of design at Fiat Chrysler Automobiles. Diehard fans will know him. Ralph's CV reads like a selection of dream jobs and throughout is this passionate connection to the group. What began in the design office in the early 90s has gone on to include president and CEO of the Dodge brand, SRT, uh, Jeep Truck Colour, Trim Studios and Specialty Vehicles and much, much more. When he's not at work you'll very likely find him around motorsport and events. He's contested the Millimiglia, for example, been in the Viper Cup series and a judge on several occasions at the famed Concourse d'Elegance at Pebble Beach. We are delighted to welcome him to the show. Ralph, g'day. That's an honour, Rusty. Absolute honour. 
It's terrific to uh, to have you on, and we've got so much to talk about today, particularly Nadine in the four wheel drive space, don't we? Oh yeah, Ralph, we're so delighted to have you on. I mean, that that, that resume reads like a, the perfect fit for this topic. <laughs> we're talking about four by fours, off roading, and EVs. You know, who, who would have thought we were talking about all those things in one sentence? But but we're we're at that point, aren't we? So we really want to talk about are four by fours going to fill the gap that the EV, can it do it as a four by four application? Well, I'm uh, just so your audience knows, I mean, I've been, I've been with Jeep, uh, <laughs> I've been with Jeep 30 <laughs> years. I've seen it blossom, you know, from a small uh, niche brand selling 300,000 vehicles a year to close to 1.6 million, something like that. We can't run away from it and we're not, we're actually, we're confronting this uh, electrification story head on very middle of America, this beautiful off-road festival called Easter Jeep Safari. And we've actually brought our first uh, electrified Wrangler experimental car to see what the, the the locals would say, you know. And of course, they looked at it sideways at first, but then <laughs> then once they see it in action, I mean, an electric Jeep crawls like nothing else. So we're very encouraged by the technology and, and we're cooking stuff that's going to make it uh, not only work, but actually, I think, thrive. I love hearing you say that an electric Jeep crawls like nothing else because I want you to explain the benefits of an electric powertrain in that, you know, distributing power across all four wheels. Talk about the benefits of that for us. Yeah. Well, the benefits, number one, is is a couple. Uh, Torque at zero RPM, literally. I mean, you get instantaneous (laughs) torque, a shocking amount of torque. And we're talking hundreds of pounds at each axle. And we're actually learning another beside benefit, which we didn't think about initially, was the low center of gravity. So the batteries tend to be very low in the chassis, as low as can be, in the middle between the wheels. So it actually has a bit of a rightening effect, kind of like a keel on a, a big sail ship. So the vehicle becomes that much more stable in, in precarious angles, as you could imagine, right? So, And then we talk about uh, dual motors and, and quad motors, where you can actually start getting into some interesting skid steer, like you see these uh, these tanks doing. So uh, we're just, uh, the engineers and us are just rubbing our hands together. Yeah, skidding tanks. <laughs> Ralph, Aussies love, they love getting off-road here in Australia and, and naturally then yeah, range yeah, kind yeah. of becomes a, a topic as well. In the pipeline, are there some some good things that will keep people in that four-wheel drive space happy? Yeah, we have the the recon, which we've been uh, teasing. I haven't said too much about it range yet, but it does have one of the biggest batteries. And that's the thing. At the end of the day, if you want a, something that has a boxy silhouette that looks like a Jeep, feels like a Jeep, talks like a Jeep, you better put a pretty big battery in there. So the battery we have is, and I can't say the size of it because that'll kind of tip the hat too much, but it, it is sizable. And that's, that's we're finding out it gives you significant amount of range, more so than a, a tank of gas would. When you go off-roading, you can go hours because the speeds are low. Aerodynamics don't come into play as much, so the, the batteries can go hours, almost half a day, sometimes a whole day. Um, that's what we're finding. The, it's really their dynamics that, that work against us, but off-roading is actually where the electrics shine. If you could say something to the naysayers. <laughs> wow. I'd say I've, I've felt it with my own my own gut. You know, I've been in some of the test vehicles already, and they do feel good. Uh, and after a while, once you start off-roading with an EV, you, you quickly forget that it is an EV. You just revel in, in the torque, um, also the silence. It's actually something we're getting used to. You can hear the crunching and the all the other sounds, you can hear the animals, you can hear some, some it kind of changes the whole experience into something completely different. And I would say, you know, we take off-roading as seriously as anybody on the planet. And if we're excited, then they should also be excited. Ralph, I think you alluded to this before in the early part of the conversation, just around design, developing, packaging and, and so on, because it is an EV. Just just take us through some of the challenges and, and things that you, you have found and overcome and, and things like that. 
Yeah, actually, in, in my job, um, the architecture, and it's rare, honestly, it's been about a good couple of decades since we've had a brand new type of architecture to play with, you know, so our, our whole team's excited about the, these EDMs, we call them the electric drive motors, are about the size of a large, maybe a large watermelon, you know, <laughs> they're actually rather compact when you compare it, you know, look at the power, this thing can make 400 horsepower in this, you know, just very compact size. So once you've got that located, um, the battery packs can be like a, you know, a, let's say a medium-sized mattress if you want enough batteries in there. And that's the, that's a lot of it. The rest of it can be located anywhere. You can have the little computers can be placed anywhere. So it opens up a lot of potential for overhangs. It's really up to imagination now. We're really able to style the vehicle. What we're finding, though, and if you look at the recon, our, our most recent concept, we ended up putting a grill on it anyway, even though we didn't need a grill. We don't need a grill to cool anything because the, the cooling system is very small, like one fourth the size of an IC. But we did it just to make sure our customers recognize it as a Jeep, number one. But two, it gives you that kind of elixir effect where you feel comfortable. It still looks familiar to you. So we're kind of playing with this idea of putting just enough tangible, identifiable details on it, but enjoying the package nonetheless with much more storage, better dynamics, as I talked about, and awesome proportions. I mean, these vehicles are going to have awesome wheel-to-body. Uh, the torque available to us allows us to put some pretty large um, wheels and tires on it. So it's going to be fun. It's good times ahead. Ralph, you're dealing with a very passionate bunch of Jeep buyers. They, they're absolute enthusiasts. Talk to <laughs> me about how explaining to them the move to EV I mean, what are they saying? <laughs> we know our passionate customers really well, and none of us want our heads on a, a stick somewhere. Uh, so <laughs> we're very afraid to to upset them. But at the same time, what we're trying to do is is openly experiment. Uh, like you know, we talked about earlier, you know, taking the, our first electric prototypes to places like Moab to off roading camps. Uh, even our own engineers taking them out on the weekends, uh, prov- proving to them that we're embracing the technology. But I think proof's in the pudding. You know, when when our most ardent off-road enthusiasts taste it, you know, get a chance to uh, uh, spend some time in these EVs, they'll fall in love with a different aspect of it. The off-roading prowess is without question, I would say, superior. It allows you to do a lot more things with with feather touching the pedal. You can you can really move the vehicle. Uh, very delicately, which when you get into real technical off-roading, that, that's a, a good thing. The torque uh, makes the vehicle superhuman. So I think the technical aspects, the fact that it can be even a better Jeep, eventually will win them over. It sounds like we're going to get some Jeep drivers finessing their off-road skills. <laughs> I hope so. I, I think so. Ralph, this has been fabulous today. We would love to get you on another episode of What's Under the Bonnet, if that's okay. Can we wrap up this four-wheel drive conversation with, you know, the great development that you guys have done internally? You talked about people in the in the broader landscape that I would imagine you embrace with some of this uh, this tech. Are we just scratching the surface here? There are some really good things to come in the future for 4x4 EVs, aren't there? There's a lot. Um, the, the technical piece, we're just starting to realize the power, you know, the computing power on top of the vehicle allows us to do some pretty cool things uh, with the power regenerative, power capturing, all kinds of stuff, even solar charging on the roof of the vehicle. There's all kinds of cool stuff. Plus camping. Imagine going camping and you just plug your stuff right into the back of the Jeep and you're good for a while. And it all starts with the battery tech. The battery tech is something that's moving very fast. We actually have a lot, of, a couple of JVs around the world with some big battery companies I can't mention here, but but that's going to allow us to have the, a leading edge approach to this whole thing. So I think we come a, a bit late to the party, but we're, we're coming with a really good bottle of champagne. So. 
<laughs> awesome stuff. Thank you for joining us today. And we've got a, an episode coming up in the months ahead in relation to design. Um, if you're up for it, we would love to get you back on. I'd love to. This episode's Meet an EV still has, I would imagine if I've done my homework right, a four-wheel drive for the farm where he escapes from time to time. But his success in business and family keeps him tied to the city. So for driving around town now, Jeff Morgan has an EV. We'll tell you which one in a moment. Fittingly, it uh, is in balance with his other passion and pastime, which is motorsport, where he's chalked up a number of Australian Porsche Cup crowns and won titles in Asia too. We've tracked him down at the farm. Jeff, welcome to What's Under the Bonnet. Thanks very much, Greg, and great to uh, be talking with you again after so long. We need to make it more regular, I know. I bet you'd love what we're on today's subject, uh, uh, an electric four-wheel drive for the farm. Absolutely. Well, it's been my passion for a long time, particularly with Porsches, to be up with all their new models and the new concepts of what they're trying to push in terms of road safety and and engines and things. So when they announced that they were bringing out an electric car, I came racing back to Australia and put $2,000 deposit down at uh, Porsche Willoughby and they said, oh, we don't have an electric car. I said, please just give me a receipt for the $2,000. <laughs> now, Jeff, you're talking my language, Porsche. I'm a, I'm a Porsche lover. So did you bother to look at any other EVs? Or was it absolutely you're just a Porsche man and you knew that they would do the job? Well, I, I was aware of EVs. As an example, you know, in Brisbane many years ago, we'd travel around in Prius as a hybrid. Mm-hmm. And so then, you know, you'd go to Europe maybe and you'd go to Holland and you'd see all these cars plugged into power points on the canals. So very early on, I wanted to be um, conscious, even though I'm on a farm here, I'm very conscious of the environment. I, I wanted to be at the forefront of being on the road with, you know, safe and uh, groundbreaking vehicles in terms of emissions. How has life changed for you because of this? I mean, you, you tend to, with a, an ICE engine or a petrol-powered car, get into a, a habit in the way you go about things. How's life changed now that you've, you know, you've got an electric car in the garage? Well, it's changed a lot. One, I don't go to a dirty petrol station. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it's fabulous to just arrive home and uh, take the, the, the cord off the wall, plug it into the car, or I can drive here to the farm because it's, um, it's about 300 kilometres here. So I drive to the farm here in the electric car. So it's just absolutely perfect. And funnily enough, in terms of rural sales, real estate agents now put on their sales rural property EV range. So things are changing rapidly, Rusty, you know, really, really quickly. Yeah, isn't that interesting that, you know, 300 kilometres seems like a lot for some people, but you know that your Taycan can do that. And, um, yeah, I'm really interested that the uh, real estate agents are using that as a selling point. I think it is something going forward. If you're going to live in rural areas and you want to own an EV, it's, it's a real bonus. Well, the other thing I have ordered is a, a Taycan, an electric Taycan, and they were saying the range for that was going to be sort of five to 600 Ks. You know, that to me is the perfect vehicle, uh, particularly when you have a farm, four-wheel drive, Five to 600 Ks, you could literally go here and back without even charging. Have you got a charging regime, Jeff? I mean, you talked before, I think, about having the, the charger at home, the fast charging setup and things like that. Is it just a case if you get home, put it in the garage, plug it in and, and forget about it more or less? Yeah, absolutely, overnight and then come out. I mean, I, I like to push the envelope a bit, so I love to get down to about 10 
kilometres in the <laughs> metre. Oh, don't. You're stressing me out already. <laughs> you clearly don't get range anxiety then, do you? Or you well, uh... if I'm only 5K from home, then I feel okay. <laughs> but, I, I mean, the irony about the, the charging is I'm sure you'll want to know how when you buy a Taycan from Porsche, you get three years of free charging with ChargeFox. And every week they're adding more charge points. So as an example, last year when I raced at Bathurst in the cup car, I drove up there and I could have gotten back with the same um, charge. But I thought there's the NRMA across the road from the motel. So I just parked the car across the road, plugged it into the NRMA and came back a couple of hours later and the car was charged and I took it back to the motel. I left it there till I went and came home. It's, it's just so convenient. You have been enormously successful in business, right, particularly in the area of recruitment and human resources, establishing and building, you know, industry-leading companies like Morgan and Banks back in the day, then Talent2. Have you observed, Jeff, in big business the way and and are they embracing enough EVs in relation to sort of fleets and, and infrastructure in your opinion? I think they're starting to, Rusty. I'd love to see the um, – or Brisbane – as I said earlier, with the Prius, most of the taxis in Brisbane are hybrids. So it'd be very easy for councils and and state governments to mandate all council vehicles have got to be electric, all taxis have got to be electric. And it's funny you should ask that question because last week I was at the launch of a foundation and there was a very entrepreneurial Australian there who's just finished helping the United States change their legislation around electric vehicles and electric products and the book's called Wiring the USA and he's rewritten the book for Australia called Wiring Australia. So if you have an electric vehicle, electric stove, electric hot water, solar power, all of a sudden the whole thing about global warming changes for this country and we we in Australia have the cheapest solar in the world. I think, Jeff, you've shown us that it's really quite possible to have a great appreciation for the spectrum of vehicles on the road these days. You have a racing background and yet you can appreciate and you see the difference and the value in something like a Taycan. I love that balance that you've managed to find and I think a lot of people will probably follow in your footsteps going forward. Well, I'm looking forward to my electric tractor and electric <laughs> quad bikes. And they've got electric motorbikes now, so it won't be long before we have electric quad bikes. You have the quietest farm on the earth. Exactly. <laughs> From time to time, Nadine, Jeff and I cycled together. We probably should have been using that energy to put it back into the grid. He's a <laughs> tremendous mentor uh, for many people. Thank you so much, my friend, for coming on today. And if that beautiful new car of yours goes missing, it wasn't Nadine and I, we promise, okay? <laughs> I'll get the tracker on. I'll find out where you are. (laughs) (laughs) New Zealand's not far away. News time, and there's a bit to get through this month. Let's focus on um, the numerous newses that talk about charging infrastructure, Nadine. There's been a bit happening. I know, Curb Charge, EVX and Connected Curb, and this is specifically talking about charging for average consumers. This is um, pop-up poles in your front yard. This is putting a EV charger on an electricity pole. So there's a lot of news around this, and I think it's a great thing for people that don't have the capacity to charge at home. They're solving that problem. You can find out more on this story by going to our electric vehicle hub, carsales.com.au forward slash electric. Now, 
What about Volvo bringing forward the end of the internal combustion engine or ICE vehicles in Australia? They brought it forward from 2030 to 2026. I know, it's a bold move and it's you know it's really got a lot of people's attention saying that this is happening and they're really committing to this. That's in the Australian market by 2026, they will only be selling EVs. Amazing. But can we talk about Zac Efron? Oh, I knew you were going to do this. <laughs> so this is kind of e-news, but I don't mean entertainment. Come on, go with it. Oh, Zac Efron is making news because he has <laughs> been driving a Hyundai Ionic around Australia as he's filming his new docuseries. But I think it's great because the key message there is it's, it's all about small steps, the things that people can do to give back to the environment. So I do love to see that he's actually talking about EVs. He walks the talk, doesn't he? Now, a new world record for a production electric car. Get this, 412 kilometres an hour, 256 mile an hour. World's fastest electric car. It's insane. Jump online to read about it, but can that just be another, you know, for the people out there that say mm, EVs are slow, EVs are not fun. Rimac Nevera, you can read all about it at the Electric Vehicle Hub. Little fun one to finish, an Aussie first electric tuk-tuk. How funny. Have your food delivered to you? <laughs> this is a game changer for food delivery, right? <laughs> the first three-wheeler EV electric tuk-tuk designed specifically for food delivery. There you go. That is our promotional vehicle. It's got what's under the bonnet written all over <laughs> it. I want the big sticker scheme down the side of it, seen uh, in Melbourne, Sydney, wherever. That is the latest EV news. And in between episodes, you can stay up to date at the Car Sales Electric Vehicle Hub, as I said. That's carsales.com.au forward slash electric. And you'll also find there, Nadine, a really cool new feature for visitors to the site, and that is our EV readiness tool. That's right, Rusty. I think a lot of people, you know, when is the time? When is the time? That's what we keep hearing. When should I buy an electric vehicle? So the clever people at Car Sales have designed a really simple little survey, jump online, fill in a few questions around how far do you drive? What kind of body style do you want? Do you live in the city? Do you think you'll charge at home? All of the really basic questions to give you an idea of which EV would suit your lifestyle. So jump online. You can find it at carsales.com.au forward slash electric forward slash EV ready. If we're going to dedicate an episode to four-wheel drive EVs, let's go big, let's go large and see what's happening around EV powertrains and offerings in the truck market. Now, car sales, you may not know, actually have a range of sites. There's boat sales, caravan and camping sales, bike sales if you're into motorbikes. But for trucks, we turn to Jeff Middleton and his team from trucksales.com.au and we've got him on the line. Hello, Jeff. Nice to catch up again. G'day, uh, Rusty, and g'day, Nadine. Um, well, it's, it's really quite interesting. I was recently over at the IAA uh, show in Hanover. It's actually the world's biggest truck show. Electric was huge. Um, everyone is jumping on the on the electric wagon, and rightly so. Even the the biggest guys like Volvo, you know, they they're actually in production with their prime movers, and you can actually just go and buy one now. Prime electric prime mover. And have you even been behind the wheel of an EV truck? What does that actually feel like? Actually, before the show, uh, we went to Gothenburg, which is where Volvo is based, and we actually drove their electric prime movers on the road. The range is around 250 kilometres, they're claiming, uh, laden, and the cost is around three times that of, of a diesel equivalent. I met an operator in Norway, actually, who has a, about 20 electric trucks, and he said they're actually better in terms of usability than the diesel equivalent because he can use them 24 hours a day because they don't make any noise. 
So in a realistic usage sense here, I mean, the, the long distances that we have in Australia between states and major capital cities and so on, would that make that prohibitive right now? Is it more the sort of thing you can see for around town? Definitely, yeah. Yeah, around town or, you know, some light intrastate work, but certainly not the line haul stuff that we're used to. We've even got some here now. The, uh, the Fuso e-canter is here and you can, you can get one of those. Interestingly, with the Fuso e-canter, the company doesn't actually sell them to you, That it leases them to you, which which has a couple of benefits. It offsets the, the cost, of course, but also it enables them to swap you out of the truck and back into one as they get better in range and cost. Just final one on the whole subject of availability, our market from a, a car point of view, it's been difficult to to get a big offering of, of electric cars in this part of the world. Do you see that changing um, from a, a, a truck standpoint? Yes, absolutely. In fact, Volvo is going to be manufacturing electric trucks right here in Australia from their plant in Wacol in Queensland. Hey, that's a great story. Just tell us a little more about that. Well, they're importing them now. They're FL, which is a medium duty, but they're actually going to be building them in Queensland. They're going to build those FLs from next year, I believe. And in two years' time, they'll be building prime movers there. Amazing. We could talk about this for ages. Um, And I think there's a lot more in relation to this whole subject that'll be worth covering when we get you back on again at some stage. Mido, thank you so much for coming on the show today. That's a pleasure, Rusty. Thanks very much for having me on. Listener Mailbox. Time for a bit of audience participation. As we say, we love your mail here on What's Under the Bonnet. Best way you can do it too, just use your smartphone, record a voice memo, 20 or 30 seconds with whatever your question is and then email it to us, podcast at carsales.com.au. Let's have a little look at the email here. Here's here's one. G'day, Rusty and Nadine. Uh, My name's Andrew. I've got a 2018 Hyundai Ioniq and it's time to start looking at tyres. Can you tell me what kind of tyres I should be looking for for an EV? What a good question. It is one of those ones we actually get a lot, isn't it? Because there's a bit of talk about tyres, you know, what tyres are fit for any car, that EVs are heavier and people are sort of saying they're chewing through tyres a bit. So, yeah, we we hear you, Andrew. I think with any vehicle, make sure that you're buying the tyre that's recommended for your vehicle. A lot of manufacturers are now producing EV-specific tyres, so less rolling resistance, they're quieter and you will get better economy. I think it's probably the key thing, just to extend on what Nadine has said there, lots of development going on in this area. I was with a, a major European brand recently, French, that'll give you a clue, at the Bend in South Australia. Uh, they can be a, a bit more um, expensive and, and weight, as Nadine's just pointed out, is a, is a factor in relation to uh, wear and them wearing faster than uh, your conventional car or, or your, your ICE vehicle. Um, but just like the rapid development of EVs, there is lots happening with with tyre testing. And obviously today's subject is around four-wheel drive. So one thing we can absolutely um, guarantee you is that that as work continues in this space, all of the tyre manufacturers will be looking at tyres at for EV four-wheel drive. So we'll keep you up to date right here. And of course, you can um, find out lots of news around EVs just by going to our electric vehicle hub. As we say, let's dive back into the email. Here's another one. Hi, my name's Paul. My question is, when will EVs stop looking like EVs? Great question. I love this so yeah, much. So do I. <laughs> I mean, the early days, it was pretty polarising, wasn't it? So. But it's inspired us, hasn't it? I mean, uh, this subject, this theme, if you will, has come up from time to time and we've, over a whiteboard session, decided that we need to really dedicate an episode 
to this, don't we? Yeah, it's, it's really important. People care about what their vehicles look like. So, you know, when you start to really change the the essential, the design, the fundamentals of what we've been used to seeing on the road for so long, the covered in grill and lots of other different factors in a EV, yeah, people are going to, there's going to be a bit of resistance. So yeah, we're going to, we're going to talk about design in a lot of detail in an upcoming episode. Love tackling your questions here on What's Under the Bonnet. If your thirst in between uh, episodes means you want an answer sooner, great place to go is the Car Sales Electric Vehicle Hub. So keep those questions coming in. We love them. A little 20 to 30 second voice memo on your phone. Email us, podcast at carsales.com.au. In a perfect world, you'd think about walking into a showroom and buying your new EV four-wheel drive. Not quite there yet, but hopefully this episode has given you a sense that things are very much getting closer. If you're a little bit impatient like me and you have the budget and maybe you've thought about it, what about a retrofit? Taking a classic and electrifying it, or as they say, upcycling iconic four-wheel drives into electric vehicles for adventure. Someone who's well-versed in this very much is Dave Budge from what used to be known as Jaunt Motors, but is now known as Felton. He's on the line. Welcome. Thanks so much. Nadine and I, before we came on today, we were fascinated, mate, by this story. Where did it all begin and can you believe where it's at now? Yeah, good question. It's, um, I guess, like your intro, the idea of uh, you know, I wished I could walk into a showroom and buy an electric four-wheel drive. Uh, and that was, you know, a few years ago now, and I still can't. You know, a pure electric four-wheel drive just doesn't exist on the Australian market and seems to be a few years away still. You know, I've loved four-wheel driving for, for a lot of years, all, you know, kind of the only car I've ever ever really had. You know, lived in a city but but used a four-wheel drive to get out into the bush. And I guess the two kind of things was one was, once you start to realise or, or think too much about how much, you know, diesel you're burning to get over to the Flinders Ranges to enjoy the beautiful landscape and the clean air, does it seem hypocritical? I mean, there's no other choice, right? What, what other, you know, we want to see Australia, what other ways there are to do it? But but you're conscious of it. And and then the other thing was just sometimes you're out there and I, I love bushwalking and things as well and and one of the great things about four-wheel driving is, you know, you can get further and than you can, you could ever do bushwalking or you're getting to those great places. But you wind the window down, you hear the diesel engine and I, I'm there to hear, you know, the birds and the trees and the, the crunch of leaves and all these other things. So it's one of those things that just a little seed is planted and you're like, gee, it would be great if this was electric and this was quiet um, and, and and all the other, you know, all the other benefits that come from EVs. And there was almost a, a half-joking thing that I would say to my partner that, you know, one day I'll have a, a messy shed and I'll convert an old Land Rover into electric. Not not really taking it too seriously. But then on one trip um, we're travelling through sort of western New South Wales and we got talking about it and we're like, well, why, why not? You know, it, it's one of those things where you start to realise that, well, if I really want it, if it's a problem for me, I guess, or a, a solution that I can create that I want, and then I'd worked in technology, I'd worked in and around the automotive industry as well, pretty familiar with the car sales statistics, you know, Australians buying, you know, we buy more four-wheel drives per capita than anyone. Australians buy dual-cab utes, four-wheel drives. They're not buying so many, you know, luxury sedans and quirky hatchbacks. That's the EV market. So clearly there's a crossover that isn't happening. And so if we could you know, make some of these four-wheel drives that people love. And, and we, when we talk about that, it's kind of these classic 
shapes and true four-wheel drives, not just, um, I guess, SUVs that are kind of, you know, nice all-wheel drive, kind of high-riding station wagons in a way. If we can do that, I reckon there's a market because I'm I'm the market um, and I think that there's other people too. So that little seed kind of was the idea that then I approached um, an old friend and, and an old colleague who I'd worked with for, you know, not that she's old, sorry, but we'd worked together for, for 12, 13 years and um, on different projects and I approached Martine and, and she was kind of looking for what her next career move was and so was I. She had a, a really sensible idea of what we could do that, you know, built on our strengths and experience and contacts. And I came along with something that uh, was completely different to that and um, and said, how about we build electric four-wheel drives? So, Dave, you started Jaunt, but you specifically started with Land Rovers. Now, there were lots of four-by-fours, capable four-by-fours. What was it about the Land Rover that you chose to focus and really specialise in that? Yeah, so so there was, I think there was a couple of uh, personal reasons and then also some, I'd like to think, strategic business reasons. Um, I, I'd always owned Land Rovers and I, I really liked them and I, I knew them, um, you know, done basic sort of mechanical things and upgrades on them. The other one was, though, that they were such a sort of quintessential shape. You know, it's almost, they're almost like a, a child drawing of a four-wheel drive. You imagine one, you imagine going on safari in Africa, that's the car you're picturing. So there's that, you know, you show a picture of one of those cars, you Photoshop out the exhaust pipe, you write electric above it, everyone gets it. The other big thing, though, was that the, particularly with the ones from the 60s and 70s, the performance bar was was pretty low. Um, you know, we're, we're doing, we're repowering these with an electric motor, but we're also needing, wanting to improve the brakes and the steering and, and make them a better car. So you had this loyal fan base, this kind of inbuilt nostalgia, I guess, that, that sort of, you know, like so many people have learnt to drive in in one of these or, they, you know, their grandparents' farm, they had one. So there's this kind of memory of them that, that everyone has uh, and it was something that we could produce a basic electric drivetrain system for them and improve the car in every way. Uh, you know, the motors weren't the reason you bought an old Land Rover. You bought it because it was capable and was fun and it did all these things but it wasn't a great motor. So no one no one got too mad at us for, for pulling that out. So, Dave, it, it might seem um, outwardly like a, like a niche offering, but this is now a global business. And we, without trying to skip too far ahead here, take us there because Jaunt is now, as I said in the intro, actually called Felton, and that's the result of a merger with, with Zero EV from those smaller type conversions for Land Rovers that you've just detailed to now a, a business that looks at classics like Porsche 911, uh, classic minis and, and so on, don't you? Yeah. So that, that was the other reason was that choosing a model, a uh, single vehicle brand and model gave us focus. And, and that was a big thing where we went into this thinking, we don't want to be a, an electric mechanic, if you know what I mean, and, and, be, and convert anything that, that comes in the door because we know that there's there's either you're either going to make a very expensive product by doing one-offs or you're going to be compromising quality. That's not what we wanted to do. We wanted to build a product, um, scale it as much as we can and optimise that quality, reliability, all of those things. The plan was always to move into other models. Um, and so we'd, we've been in conversation and, and, and really actually in business with Zero EV in the UK for a long time. Most people probably aren't familiar with them because they are very much the, the B2B side of the electric conversion industry. And so they supply uh, components, whether that's motors, batteries, fuses, 
to almost every conversion workshop in the in the UK, uh, most of them here in Australia, the few that that we are, and a lot into the US. But the other thing they do is build complete and engineer complete systems. And we'd found an interesting thing where Australian VAS engineering rules, if your listeners are familiar with that, basically when you modify a car, you have to go through all these engineering requirements in Australia, which, which I think are, are actually quite good. You can kind of do anything as long as it's safe and as long as it gets approved, as opposed to, say, the United States where put anything on the road, um, which, which can sometimes lead to some very cool but very unsafe-seeming vehicles. So the thing with that Zero EV had been doing was building OEM-grade, safe, engineered, complete bolt-in systems, which was really our aim as well. And so together we'd been working quite closely on a few, you know, new developments, new systems for, for Land Rovers, but it started to make sense as we realised how compatible our missions were, but also how complementary our skill sets were in our team. Melbourne is, of course, a wonderful place to, you know, start an automotive business because you've got a lot of great, you know, talent, ex-Holden, ex-Ford, ex-Toyota. Um, so whether whether it's people who've directly worked for them or people who've worked in that supply chain and all those things. So we could, as a small sort of 13, 14-person business, still stand up to a, you know, to a, a global automotive standard um, or at least aspire to and, and put in processes that could get us there. So it started to become a very, very good fit that we should combine forces. Um, we were trying to achieve the same thing. And for us, the goal has always been to get more EVs on the road in Australia. We can do that by supplying conversion systems that can be bolted in. And so that's, you know, upcycling older vehicles or even, you know, newer 2015 Land Rovers or, or even current Land Cruiser 70 series. Um, these sort of classic vehicles, if we can get more vehicles on the road, that's us doing a, a good job as a business. And we can scale that better by creating a manufacturing process of new components and getting them into the workshops all over the country rather than just trying to produce individual vehicles ourselves. Can you maybe give us a little sneak peek in what might be in the pipeline? What other vehicles might you be working on, particularly in the four-wheel drive space, which is the theme of today's show? Yes. So, so we get asked, as you imagine, when are you doing Land Cruisers? Um, <laughs> so I guess, I, I guess I, there's no secret. If you were to go, okay, where do you go next in Australia around electric four-wheel drives? Well, you have to, you have to go into Land Cruisers next. So we're, we're really excited. Obviously there's, you know, there's 40 series, that classic shape, but, but the, the big thing is, is what we can do with, um, you know, with 70 series, meaning everything from the eighties up till, you know, last week, um, very, very similar structure and, you know, so many vehicles out there that we can do things that, uh, you know, increase the power. Um, obviously range is going to be the thing we can't put in, you know, monster triple tanks and do 2,000 kilometres of range, <laughs> but we can do six, 700k of range and under an hour charge and, and we think for, you know, maybe if you're in WA it's still not quite enough, but uh, for most of the East Coast that's still pretty good. We knew this would be packed with enthusiasm and information. And mate, thank you so much for coming on to you and everybody at Felton Keep Powering. Um, we love on this program and on the car sales podcast generally, um, good Aussie automotive success stories. And it's nice to stop and shine a light on this one with you today. Thanks so much. 
We're nearly out of time on this episode. Just got an email through uh, from the team at Jeep. Ralph Shields has kindly agreed to come on a future episode of What's Under the Bonnet where we will tackle design. What's coming up next month, though, Nadine? Next month, we're talking about future technology. So we'll be looking at batteries, the different battery technology coming. But also, when you think about EVs, it's just, it's a tech game, isn't it? It's all about who's got the best tech. So we're going to look at what's coming and how that's going to impact the EV you may well be driving. If we've piqued a little bit of interest with you um, around EVs and you've got a question, fire it in, podcast at carsales.com.au. We'd love you to rate and review the podcast, to share it with your friends. Don't forget, you can download the listener app for free and listen to our suite of car sales podcasts for free. And there is a brand new one in the range that the trailer has just dropped on. So check that out. On behalf of Nadine and all of our team here at What's Under the Bonnet, we'll catch you next time. Bye for now. Production.